Welcome to The Coaching Podcast. I'm Simon Blair, and with my co-host Emma Doyle, we explore how to coach for success in both sport and business. Welcome to The Coaching Podcast. I'm Simon Blair. I have the absolute pleasure today of interviewing Luke Harris, who is uh, well, a long-time friend and uh, associate through Little Athletics and football uh, and Luke is currently the under-19s and under-14s uh, boys junior football coach and also the coaching co- coordinator for Devon Meadows Junior Football Club. Luke, welcome to the Coaching Podcast. Thank you, Simon. Good to be here. So, Luke, tell us, just to start with, a little bit about, I suppose, what brought you into coaching. I know you've been doing it for a few years now. And, um, yeah, just... Anything you'd like to share about yourself uh, for our audience? Yep. So I uh, got into coaching um, in 2012, been a long-time player of football, and I uh, got out of the game at about 28, um, was at a couple of years off not doing a lot, had the kids involved with their sport, and got involved with some martial arts training, which in turn got me sort of thinking about the disciplines and the, the areas that needed to be brought to uh, team sports and then sort of kicked off the, the coaching from there. Awesome. And you've been, uh, well, we met through athletics with uh, all of my kids participating at Cranbourne Little Athletics. Uh, and as a result of that, actually, um, you spent a bit of time co- coercing my girls to come over and play footy. And Luke, you've been an awesome supporter of them. And yeah, was their was their first footy coach, and that's had a major impact on them. So very uh, very glad to be able to get your thoughts on coaching today. So what I'd like to do is ask you, pineapple on pizza? What are your thoughts? Love it or hate it? Love it. Oh, good man. <laughs> good man. Brilliant. So as a result of uh, answering that in the uh, in the affirmative, uh, I'd like to ask you. What has been your best coaching experience and the learnings that you would have gained from that? Yeah, tough question. Um, I'll, I'll go with a successful story in the under-15s year to the coach, which was two years ago, 2016. Uh, I coached my son's under-15s team here at the junior club and we were the year prior to that, they'd had a really uh, average year, low numbers, and I wasn't actually coaching their team that year. Um, took the job on, we got some plays to the team. So it was a bit of a development year, and as the season went on, we sort of really played some good footy, we learnt a lot. Um, all the players learned a lot about themselves. We weren't the best team in the competition by far. We were clearly the second best team. Uh, went through the season and got to the finals, which was great. It, was, it wasn't about winning, it was just about developing. Um, got beaten in the first final by the top team by about 57 points. Had the final the next week, we were lucky enough to win that and were trained and played specifically over a week, uh, Wednesday and Friday, just to beat that team, which you don't normally do in junior sport. You're just trained for development. But from a coaching point of view, to implement a game plan and have a group of, it was about 18 of them, 19 of 15-year-old boys to go out, train something and then have it come off on game day when two weeks before clearly we... We weren't good enough. We weren't within 60 points. To get that grand final win was probably the, the, the most special day I've had in, in sport, for sure. That's awesome. 
Um, I suppose just as, a, an, as an aside question, any particular challenges or uh, things that are great about coaching your own kids? Yeah, well, that would almost be one of the most difficult things to do. People that coach their own kids, um, it's a, you get all the pressure from, from the other parents and, and committees. Um, when you're the coach of your own kid, you've got that pressure to not to be seen to be giving them an easy ride at all, and also you're, you're always harder on your own, which is the hardest thing to get right. To, for the perception of how it looks from the outside in, but also to you always want what's when you've got that connection to your own child to get the most out of them um, without losing the relationship along the way. It's pretty difficult. It is hard. I suppose there's probably a bit more you have to do with them one on one away from the club. Absolutely, I think the the if you're in a group environment, whether it's football, basketball, cricket, and you're the parent of the, your son or daughter's playing, your best bet's to probably try and leave the, the, the praise on them in front of the group until you get them on their own. You don't need to be praising them in front of the group. It's normally a smart way to go about it. Um, and by the same token, you, almost don't, you don't want to be going at them too hard either with their mistakes, which is a thing I've had to learn along the way. Um, but it is a difficult thing to do. I, I don't think parents and coach, the, the parent-coach combination people sort of take it for granted. It's the most difficult job to do, for sure. That leads into, you know, when we talk about challenges of coaching, what would you consider to be uh, the worst, I suppose, coaching experience? Uh, and, and, again, what sort of insights or learnings could you share with us from that? I think for a specific time, the under-12s the under year, we had a... A really strong team, and it's not about winning. But we're, I developed, we developed really well as a team all year, and uh, the it was almost there was a, even though it was a junior sport, didn't you know, grand finals and premierships don't matter too much. But I felt as though I took the foot off the gas um, too far out from finals, and I didn't challenge them enough, and I probably got comfortable where they were at. Which that's they still improved, and they still it was all happy days. But um, to see him get. They got rolled in the finals, and it was just a bit disappointing. So from a coaching point of view, I think my learnings was that, that don't stop, don't ever stop trying to improve the team and the individuals, regardless of whether you're on top or on the bottom, and just keep on challenging them to get better. It's a great, great lesson. Um, <clears throat> so moving on to our sliding doors question. Have you got a moment in your career uh, that you – and often we have many, but if there was one in particular that stands out – that I suppose has put you on the, put you to where you are now, and, and set you on a path, um, you know, in your life to to where you are with coaching and. Yeah, I would, as I mentioned before, when I started the martial arts training, I got involved with that. Both my sons were were competing and, and training in in full contact karate, and I was getting hassled to start, and I sort of begrudgingly started and as I got into it I really enjoyed it but along the way you as you progress through the the belts and the grades you start you start to have to teach the the art and the lessons and and learnings I took from from that I knew would translate to to team sport and and particularly football because my boys played footy and just the discipline and, and hard work that goes with a martial arts dojo, we get to a football club or a basketball club or a cricket club, and there's almost an acceptance that we're just here for fun and all those things, which is great. But when you've come from that martial arts background and you see how hard you have to push and work for to, to get your goal or the belt or a grade, 
Um, I've, I always thought there was something lacking there with junior footy, and that was the trigger for me to think that, well, I've watched these young kids train in a dojo and work from the age of six or seven, train really, really hard and get pushed, and that's part of the sport, part of the art. And then with the football sense, we sort of just think, oh, it's okay to go through the motions. And that, that is okay, but if we want to try and get our, our own um, kids and our teams to really strive for their um, – strive to get better, and that's not just sport, that's a life skill, I think. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, that's what I took out of that martial arts thing, which translated to footy really well. Love that answer. And I can say personally from the time I spent as the uh, um, boundary umpire in the year that uh, my girls were under your coaching in under 12s, uh, translating to my own involvement with girls footy now as an assistant coach, um, I, th- I think the biggest thing that I took away from that experience with you and seeing how you went about it was exactly what you said. Standards, discipline, hard work and what and, and, and that ability to push kids out of their comfort zone in, in a safe and fun environment. I think that's uh, personally something that uh, really resonates with me and uh, has, has really shaped my, my own coaching sort of uh, focus. So thank you for that. Uh, so, but it's not about me. It is about you. Uh, let's, I'd love to ask you, um, and I'm really fascinated by your response to this question, having known you for quite a while now and talk coaching a lot, uh, especially in the off-season and during Little Athletics, uh, your thoughts on what the three, in three words or less, what makes a great coach? That's a tough question, Simon. I would, uh, three words, I'd say passion, knowledge and caring. Passion, knowledge and caring. Uh, is there anything else you want to add around to explain the reasons for that or how that manifests itself for you and your coaching? I think to get the – if you're coaching a group of people in, in anywhere in sport or in life, I think if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you, you're certainly not going to draw the best out of the people that you're coaching or, or teaching. So if they can see the passion within you, they buy into what you're um, – what you're asking of them, whether it's a, a skill-based thing or a learning thing or an effort thing. So I think being passionate is really important. The knowledge behind that's um, just as important. You can be as passionate as you, as you want, but if you're not actually giving them something for them to uh, improve through knowledge of the game or the sport, then that um, you can still get away with getting a little bit out of them, but they're not going to succeed to the level they should without having the knowledge behind you. And just being caring for, for them as individuals and and um, and putting an arm around them when you need to, um, and just just care for them as as people, for sure. Fantastic. And um, do you have a question that you'd love to ask uh, our audience of coaches, or Emma and myself? That uh, yeah, the sort of thing that you know, you have curiosity around when when you know, dealing with other coaches. Yeah, the one I would like to ask Emma particularly with obviously being tennis, heavily involved with tennis. So when it's an individual sport, when you're drawing, how hard and at the elite level does do you push them for that effort and how much do they, um, is it just a, a given that they work their backsides off day in, day out, or do they need to be pushed just like you would have to push someone at local level or under-14s level, and is that a constant battle with the professionals, like across the board? Thank you very much, Luke. That is awesome. I just want to, something else. Uh, 
you're about to head into another finals campaign with your under-14s boys. Uh, what are your coaching challenges that you see ahead, uh, especially when you talked about your previous experience there where towards the back end of the season, maybe some things you would have done differently in hindsight? Where's your head at right now? You've got a game on Sunday. Uh, am I right in saying you're top of the ladder? Um, so that comes with, I suppose, a bit of expectation uh, of others <laughs> as, as much as yourself. Uh, but, yeah, wh- where's your, where you're at and what do you, what do you, um, what do you see as even some of the challenges ahead? Yeah, well, like the answer before that I gave, so I've tried to continue to improve, uh, continue to get them to improve each session and just challenge them on on parts of the game that we need to get better. Still give them the, the pats on the back, what we're doing well, but out there on the training track of certainly the last, particularly the last five weeks now when we're coming into finals, has, has been maybe a little bit harder on them than I should have been, but I, I just wanted to make sure that we can just keep continue to improve and I've told them all season if we can continue to improve each week and each session and each minute of the game the result the result will take care of itself so don't let the result don't worry about the result you just keep on improving yourself and improving our our um our ball movement and and all the things that we um we find important as a team and then we'll get that result that we want uh so Luke thank you very much Luke you're an absolute stalwart of the Devon Meadows uh junior footy club and you know, as a coaching coordinator, coordinator as well, that's another major aspect to your role. I know for myself personally, you've made, uh, you've been a terrific mentor and uh, thank you very much for your support and for your contribution to the club. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me. And uh, onwards and upwards for the Devon Meadows Junior Footy Club. Go Panthers. <laughs> Great interview, Simon. Local football coach, Luke Harris. Grassroots, lives and breeds it. Uh, and so do you. Thank you for that fantastic interview. Yeah, no, thanks, Emma. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was just fantastic. So articulate and so clear on, uh, you know, his his journey and uh, very a lot of great themes that he's he's brought up there that we can go into. Which coming from yeah, someone at grassroots, it's interesting and this very deliberate. I wanted Luke to be the first coach. Uh, in hopefully a lot more moving forward where we, where we interview sort of uh, community-based grassroots coaches from different uh, sports um, because that, you know, brings its own challenges and, uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's a hotbed of emotion and parents and kids and coaches of varying levels of experience. And the great thing with Luke, he's... Um, He's very experienced. He's uh, very clear on his own um, methods and approach. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was absolutely instrumental in getting my girls into football. Um, so there's a very much personal thing there. And their first exposure uh, as athlete footballers was with Luke as a coach. Um, so it's interesting. It's a bit like in business where, you know, who was your first manager? <laughs> Uh, or you go to university, who was your first mentor and how that often shapes the rest of your you know, career. And often it's a bit of luck. If you happen to find those people very early on, then, yeah, it, it shapes you for, you know, whatever, for in whatever way. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on just overall before we get into what he said around your take on his interview. Yeah, well, first of all, even in what you said, one thing I love about our podcast is that, 
whether you're a grassroots coach, whether you're a high-performance coach, and we've got some world leaders in coaching um, on our show as well as people in the corporate space, what comes up and the themes that we that we hear are consistent. Yeah. So even in even in one to three words of what he thinks makes a great coach, passion, knowledge, and caring. I can't tell you. I mean, I've collated all the information yes. now with every single interview. I, I write it down, and this comes up a lot. And so it doesn't matter if you're coaching grassroots or it doesn't matter if you're coaching the highest, most, you know, best player in the world. Yep. You've got to be passionate. You've got to have knowledge and you've got to care beyond the, 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 just the sport itself about Absolutely. the person. And this is, you know, what I love about the podcast is these themes that come, the constant themes that, that we hear. And yes, the challenges may differ slightly, mm. but the way that you go about addressing them, uh, I think is really important. And, and finally, just what I think about is interview overall. I love the martial arts concepts. You know, you, you know, you know this about me bringing martial arts concepts into sport and into life. I'm a massive believer and fan as a, as a you know, I did Taekwondo for myself for three years. One of my mentors being uh, Damien Comedy Stevens. We're you know about to do one of his interviews soon, and he you know he's been one of the most biggest influences in my coaching career. So, you know, how I get kids to shake hands and say thank you for making me a better player, that comes from martial arts. The better you play on in the dojo, the better I'm going to become. Whereas in tennis, you know, I, I used to be, please double fault, please double fault, I really need the point. <laughs> so, and even as yeah. now as the, as the current, you know, junior Fed Cup captain, I don't sit on the change of ends going, I hope this girl chokes. I say things like to myself, channel the energy. Mm-hmm. And I say things like, let's go. Bring on your best game. I know my girls have got it. I know they're prepared, which segues beautifully into one of his best coaching moments. I, you know, I think even as coaches, we should do a little bit more actual development specific to beating teams because that's that's still yes. development. I, you know, I loved that story about how they did a, a three day training program to be specific to beat a team. That's development as well. I think we should do more of that. Uh, absolutely. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. In, in um in junior sport, because that's the stuff, say, when we talk about football, I mean, that's what AFL coaches, uh, and that's where the games evolve, where head coaches, that's their job primarily, is week in, week out, literally the team for the week coming up, uh, the very specific strategies and, and tactics to, to maximise the likelihood of victory. And, yeah, that... Um, yeah, I don't see – that's probably the big development opportunity for so many grassroots coaches and the fact that Luke's got a real handle on that. Uh, well, as per his great coaching moment, it actually worked. Um, uh, basically bridged a 60-point deficit from a game that only happened a few weeks earlier to then playing the same team again and then beating them in the biggest game of all being the grand final. So – uh, because of that very specific um, uh, process that he followed, and you know, how powerful is it, is it as a coach, which is why he mentioned it for himself, that when you put something into play, play like that, and it works, and especially in a team environment where you've got, well, in this case, eighteen players on a field, um, you know, that's there's inherent challenges there in that system. There's so many opportunities for it to break down. Um, so all, all credit to him, um, and I, th- I think there's yeah a massive lesson in there for for coaches yeah. across the board. I think also if I could go to the flip side of, of what we're talking about here, 
all too often I actually see out in the coaching world, especially maybe at a, at a grassroots level, is coaches self-sabotaging because let's say, for example, they're, they're slightly injured. So let's say you're playing someone on the weekend where, you know, your player really needs to teach them how to um, hit to space. But you as the coach, you've been coaching for six hours already, six, you know, six to eight hours. It's late, it's cold, it's nine o'clock at night, you're doing a private lesson and you're standing in one spot and you're volleying back to the player and you're getting the player just to hit it back to you. Now, I see this all too often and there are ways around it, but it's habit, laziness. Just to clarify for our audience, what's the exact problem that you're seeing when you see that that behaviour? So that the the athlete is not training specific to what's going to help them develop and whoever they're playing on the weekend. Often you know who they're playing on the weekend. And I think we we get into habits as coaches because we've been doing it for so long Mm. that we do the same stock standard drills Mm. and we end up uh, not improving. Yes, they improve because they're hitting balls, Mm. but not at the rate that's really deserving of the athlete. If we, we talk about athlete-centered approach to coaching, we talk about put the player in the center of the learning, but do we really do that? Mm. It's, it's interesting. I'm thinking immediately as you talk there around uh, the coaching of staff talking to customers because uh, the crux of being great at service and sales is you have to tailor. There's an inherent structure and framework that you can consistently apply to everyone but the particular manner in which you do that on each call or interaction is specific to the moment um and and therefore the training the coaching is developing the skill set to very much tailor and customize your your approach uh to to every every situation so that's something that is actually front and center with with what i do but I agree, and from my own personal coaching experience with the junior sport, um, I don't necessarily, yeah, necessarily apply that same principle to the degree I probably could. So, if you're out there listening, you know, I I know it's not easy, and I'm at the first one to say mm. I've I've grinded the hours. You know, my first business, Tennis Innovations, around four clubs, three hundred and sixty kids a week. I understand what it yeah. is like to do forty to sixty hours a week on a tennis court. I do try, understand sorry, that. Sorry, I'm going to try the depths of winter as yeah. a football coach yeah. out in the freezing cold oh, and, the, and the dark in, the, you know, in no, July. No, I, I get it. That, you know, that was my life. Yeah. So I'm, I'm right there with you and, and those listening, but all I'm passionately uh, asking you to reflect on is maybe find another way. If that is you, like, I mean, hitting partners, um, I'm, I've got two lessons next week and I'm using a hitting partner and because – my level is just not quite where it needs to be to coach these two players. Right. So I'm, yeah, getting the resources in and sometimes that costs me and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but find another way rather than self-sabotaging and, you know, not doing things because of your own limitations. Yes. Don't let that be a roadblock for bringing out what's what that player needs. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one of the things that uh, myself and certainly my uh, the, the head coach of the team, the girls team, I'm with uh, Lee, uh, through the year, she brought in um, a number of just different coaches uh, from like senior players, for example, from the, the Devon Meadows Footy Club where Luke is from and uh, or uh, other young, um, young female coaches and players from our, uh, women's football and just brought Great. them in and it just... Role models. Yeah, just... 
gave uh, a freshness and always looking for that freshness is, is the that's the hard thing, yeah, that you're always searching mm. for, I suppose. Mm. So let's shift into parent coaching here. You, yes. Parent coaching is uh, something that you can talk, obviously, to specifically. It's not easy. And what's what's your experience on, on what he said and what your own Yeah, it's, it's so experience. true because you, you're always just mindful of how you're perceived. I, th- I think that's the challenge. It's the mental challenge of... This message that I'm giving to a group or this feedback that I'm giving to this individual and then that individual and that individual, okay, my girls are included in that as part of the team. So uh, I'm always checking myself as I'm delivering messages to them. Am I being, in effect, in coach mode? So I suppose I go into like the concept of wearing hats, which I do in my work as well. You know, when you're a coach and giving feedback, it's a different hat to when you're assessing someone. It's a different hat. Uh, I see it's similar. When I'm a parent, I've got that hat. That's for the car trip home. You know, that's the parent conversation. And then I have to make sure I'm not in coach mode in the car. And then when I'm in coaching, yeah, am I am I being mindful? I suppose being mindful of that. And who the hell knows whether you're getting it right or not? And, of course, so you, you, you live and learn by trying things out and hopefully you've surrounded yourself with um, other coaches, mentors who, um, yeah, can give you honest honest feedback. But it's just inherently hard. And the, the biggest challenge, which and Luke alluded to this, is the perceptions of others um, who often unfairly will just make assumptions because you are the parent and the coach uh, around whether it's favouritism. To be honest, in my experience talking to other coaches who are parents like Luke and, and others, you tend to go the other way. You know, you tend to be harder because you're trying to compensate for those perceptions. And um, and I think that those kids pro- possibly have a diminished coaching experience as a result. It's, it's just very difficult. So what are your thoughts from the outsider and, and your own exposure to, say, in the tennis world and, and coaches in local tennis clubs and and the like. Yeah, well, plenty of parents coach their kids and no one cares more about um, their kids' development than than a parent and obviously tennis is an individual sport. So, look, I think you hit the nail on the head. Two two big takeaways in what you said there for for the listeners. Mindfulness, Mm. okay, but conscious mindfulness. Otherwise, it becomes a subconscious bias one way or the other, as you just said. And hats. So literally the most success I've had is um, with one of my best mates. She coaches her son. And I've just said, listen, actually, literally put on a hat. No, With a big C on it. No, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. I know you're, you've got this. No, he's got it. that beautiful bellowing laugh. I love that about Simon. But I'm being, I am actually, this I know, is a true I'm, story. I'm, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, so anyway, she has a hat yep. that um, when she wears it, she's coach. Yeah, yeah. And he actually calls her, you know, Coach D, not mum. Yeah, yeah. And so when she takes the hat off, Perfect. she's completely mum. So have a, what we call in NLT, NLP terms is a contextual marker. Yeah, it could right. be a jacket. It could be a hat. It could be a yeah. watch. It could be something that you always wear when you're in coach mode. And so to help the children, especially children, differentiate. Yeah. Um, I'm just picturing the classic coach image of, yeah, the cap. Mm-hmm. The whistle, the clipboard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, have you been in America lately? <laughs> Moving right along. So uh, shifting gears, let's go into the martial arts. Yeah. Let's, uh, you know, I'd like to just quickly explore that, the the discipline that it takes to move up a belt. Yep. 
I experienced it myself uh, to, to, I did it for the aspect of trying to make my tennis better. That's why I did Taekwondo. And straight away, there's so many things I loved about my experience in that. A, they made us train twice a week mm. when I already had a busy tennis schedule. Yep. Cause I did it as a teenager, not as a, not as a young kid. Mm. So I was like, wow, you know, straight away, you, you do something twice a week, even though it wasn't necessarily, say, my first passion, mm. but you, you, you can't not improve. Well, which is what we're doing with football. So the junior footy is twice a week, which compared to, say, junior basketball, that's once, just once, once a week. A week. Mm. Uh, and they're often twice a week uh, for, for the age group of, uh, say, teenagers. It's probably recommended about 70, 70 minutes thereabouts, 75 minutes each session. Yep. So that's a, that's a fair chunk of time. Yeah, and I think... What martial arts have done better than any other sport is gamification. So, which is just the modern word for you go, you know, in in my in Taekwondo, it was white belt to yellow to blue to red, yeah, and etc. There's a clear reward. There's a clear reward system, yep. and you know, also it's very much you know you, you learn the pattern and you you learn it well, which takes discipline, practice, concentration, effort, focused intention for you to move up. Plus, yeah, okay, you're sure, then you, there's some sparring elements to it, but it's pretty much you have to do that to move up. And if you don't do the work, you're not going to move up. Here's an idea I've just come up with hearing, hearing that with, with the football because the challenge with girls' football and this year there's a whole lot of girls that are coming to the sport brand new that don't have foundation skill sets in, in kicking and handballing in particular. So I'm just wondering is there a way to bring in, a bit like they do in swimming, you get the certificate, you go through the levels even as a, just at, at a club level where we could, you know, test uh, and have those markers of development for girls within a, even a team structure to, to aspire to and, and tick off. And, yeah, you're now at this level um, as, as, as a means of just getting that focus and attention from them on the need to, to get these basic foundation yeah. skills in place. As long as please just don't make it just technical. No, of course. Yeah, you know, it's got to have the fun, and it's got to be the the method. Psychosocial. Yeah, it's got to have a technical element. Yep. It's got to have a tactical element. We still, I still travel around the world, and I see so much technique still in our coaching worlds. Yeah, yeah. If we, you know, we can't look at things in isolation anymore. It's no. not you can kick a, a drop punt. It needs to be you can kick the space with a drop punt. You can hit That's, a target, kick it to the space. Right. It's so very specific. It though. has to be. Well, specific in a holistic way is, yes. is what... Well, what's the context of how that fits into a game, that's the context right. of a game? Because if it doesn't fit into the context of the game, yes. I'm sorry, it's not coaching. No. And in, in the corporate it's world... developing a skill. Exactly. Yeah. And you can learn how to... Uh, now I'm talking your space, but, <laughs> you know, you can learn how to take a call, but if you're not getting an outcome with the customer, no, what's the absolutely. point in learning the structure of a call? Absolutely. And if you don't apply it in, you know, you're doing it in a classroom consistently, but actually... You don't actually do the job where you're applying it to real customers consistently um, to to develop that in the context of the moment um, where the rubber hits the road. And he so. talks about it in you know in that you know where he didn't uh, he's you know, the coaching moment that he learned his lessons from that he didn't continue to challenge the team that was doing really really well. So again, what we're talking about here is take the foundations of martial arts from a from a perspective of what it really can teach even if you don't do it and and apply that as i said mm. you know i've learned so much from um kendo i was in um, singapore and watching damien coach i took three pages of notes now i went to a conference a weekend before i hardly took a note yeah. in that one session i got three pages of information that i'm definitely going to apply for the world championships coming up Sure. And the way that 
he took the, the, the martial art of kendo and inspired them to want to get better with things like you need to you need to live it, you need to breathe it, you need to visualize it, and you know such concepts that we can apply to all sports. And then the fun element is then laid in within that. I think I think that's you know Luke's on the money there. Absolutely. So what about his question directly to you uh, around and really coming from that place of you know hard work and resilience and really to what degree you push in in an individual sport. Because that curiosity when you're rooted in team sport and, and vice versa, isn't it? The, the learnings and crossover there, because there are differences. But, yeah, what are your, um, your, what's your approach there around or thoughts around his question about that? Yeah. So if I understood the question correctly, first of all, Luke, thank you for it. Uh, what I understood by it was that in an individual sport of tennis, even at the highest level, mm. do you still need to push for effort? Compared to the grassroots. Yeah, so is that, have I Absolutely. clarified it correctly? The answer to that is comes back to what we speak a lot about on this coaching podcast. And if we really, I'm talking about really understand how to put the player at the center of the learning, the answer to that is going to vary from player to player. Now, I respect so much people that coach group sports because to me, you've got 18 individuals that you have to know Yep. Okay. Those those five, I, they're self motivated. They don't need pushing. Yep. Those five are never going to do the extra session. Mm. Then you've got those five that will sometimes do it, depending if they if they're going to miss out on the team. So it's you know what we're talking about here comes back to motivation. Mm. So you're either motivated away from pain or towards pleasure. Now, in my experience, yeah, sometimes you need first that kick, that little bit of fear. Yeah, mm. but let's today society. The next generation of kids and learners, the way that the Western world works, it has to be towards pleasure, mm. as in towards a reward, towards a goal, towards uh, doing better than what they did last season. Whatever that, that process and that outcome goal is, mm. when they're motivated towards that, that accountability, then they're going to do it and they're going to push and they're going to find the balance. So my answer is that, yes, of course, you still need – to push for effort even at the highest level, but you have to strip it back first and you have to have a blueprint on every single player that you coach. And even within my sport at the highest level, it's a blueprint also on the player, the coach, the manager, the mum, the dad, the physical conditioner, the, parts, the, yeah. the mindset coach. So once you've got the blueprint, so that's almost in a way, I don't see tennis as an individual sport. I see it as a team sport. Yeah, yeah. And so once you've got the blueprint around that, then as you know, your whatever your responsibility within that team is, is then knowing who to push and when to push and how to push and how much to push and when to say what. And that's why I respect, you know, people that coach teams because you have to be able to manage that at any one given time. And we see it even in AFL now. There's all the smaller groups, the smaller breakout yes. coaching groups. It's for that reason. It's because it's inherently difficult and that is the great challenge of any coach of large team sport and that's the ones that tend to be successful is because they tend to get a better grasp on the ability to tailor the their approach to uh, subgroups and, and certainly the individuals within because mm-hmm. it is just so hard because of the numbers involved. I'm curious, though, in response to what you just said, and I, I totally agree with you, except you're often confronted as a coach with literally this individual, and there might be more than one in the team sport, who 
are not, they don't have that clarity of vision or purpose or desire. It's not clear to them. The motivation isn't the absolute front and centre. Uh, in the case of, say, the great challenge for myself and, and, and uh, Lee in um, the junior coaching girls, uh, there's that social aspect as well. Often that's the re- for a chunk of them, that's the reason they're playing. How do you instill, because this has been a real challenge, that discipline, the standards, the effort at training, no issue come game day, mm. they're ferocious, mm. throw themselves in, mm. but their development is stifled for a large chunk of them because it's hard to get them focused. And, of course, the conundrum is how much do you push because the carrot isn't yeah, they're new to the sport as well. So they don't necessarily know what they're chasing or what the benefit is if they've never experienced it, like playing finals, winning a premiership and all the stuff that comes from that. And once you get a taste for that, that becomes very powerful. Um, but when that's not there, you know, how, mm. how do you address that, that situation? Because I think that's the, it's, it's a constant uh, challenge for coaches as to – and sometimes you overstep the mark and possibly – one way or the other. As I'm sure you've experienced in the corporate world as well. And the answer to that for me in this next generation lies in the ability of the coach to facilitate the learning environment where the players come up with the behaviours themselves. So if you can find a way, as I obviously I came down to your club and this is day one, what did we do? We got in a fun social way. We got them to come up with the values. Yes. From the values, they create the they create the behaviours based on excellent questioning skills from the coach leading the team with regards to specific behaviours that you that you stand for that mm. your expectations are around. But you let them come up with it, so they're accountable to themselves, and so they can call each other on it. And so, with our recent um, experience uh, in Kuching, Malaysia, we were the incapable raging elephants, which stood for improvement, respect, and enjoyment. From that, they then created the behaviours. From that, then there was no mobile phones at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So we're still social. Yeah. We're still having that fun element, but they created the behaviours that they wanted. And with let you know, girls' sport, yes, we do need to keep those friendships together. That's a big reason why they're even going to come to practice. Absolutely. You're better off them having them at practice than, than not. So I think, again, the answer lies in the combination of, yeah, yeah, you do need to you do need to walk the line and sometimes you'll overstep it, you'll learn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so don't be afraid to make that mistake, but by the same token, we have to find a way to create a learning environment based on fantastic guided questioning skills where the, where the players yeah. and in a corporate world where the team actually, what's the point? In, you know, again, the, the, the owner of the, the, the shop recently, I was working with a group from Flight Centre, what's the point in them creating the values? If, if the actual, you know, the store people delivering the, the face value are not actually bought into the values, they don't really care. Yeah, so the people executing it are the ones that have to come up with it. So... They do. Our jobs, and it was an awesome session that you ran for these, these girls, Emma, coming down to the club earlier in the season. Uh, um, again, that was a bit of breaking the pattern by getting that outside influence. Um, and especially a successful female coach like yourself was really important at that stage of the journey for them to, to see that. And, yeah, it's, it is. As a coach, it's what is coaching, you know? Coaching is a, what, it's a conversation fundamentally, and that's often the difference between 
if you're teaching, yeah, versus coaching. Coaching is a conversation, which means the key to great conversation is great questions. And great questions means you get great uh, buy-in and the person is a contributor to the process. This um, is our next generation, Simon. Yeah. It's it's gone and, and and just quickly, I mean, on you know, very I know this is very simplistic, but let's look at the generations. The baby boomers were the ones who taught us, right? Generation X's. So then we respected them and we just heard what they said, which is very direct, and so we just took it as face value. So if we then now coach the next generation that way, mm. just take it from me, respect me, this is my experience, this is what it's I've not, done. You need to do this, you know, A, B, C, if you want to get X, Y, Z. They don't care. No. So that's that's the gold dust. Mm. The gold dust is in how do we as Generation Xs that used to take respect um, for uh, as as a given. Yes. Now it's not as a given. Just because mm. I went into that club and yeah, you know, none of them would have ever heard of me and none of them would have read my bio. Mm. So in that moment, how do I build rapport quickly in a way for them to trust me, for them to build behaviours, yep. and then. They'll 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 slowly build respect over time. So great questions, uh, which means you get um, individuals engaged and involved. And really, when it comes to getting them to to define what they want to achieve, and 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 that's when you get your buy in accountability. You can call them on it, and then you can take it back to that. And to be honest, that's probably where you know, as the coaching team for these girls this year, that's the bit we need to get better at. You know, ultimately it's our fault. And follow up. Because of the lack of follow up potentially back to those values that were established in the beginning, if we're not reinforcing that over a season, that gets diluted. 100%. There it is. It needs to. Thank you. I figured it out. (laughs) Yeah, it it really is. And and for us to, uh, you know, in, in Malaysia, we ended up winning it. Yep. The championship, we saved a match point, two super tie breaks. We lived our values every single day, yeah. but we reflected on them every day. Did we live them today? Yes. What could we do better tomorrow? So and it's, that, a que- it's the question of this behavior that I've just seen that I'm say I'm not happy with necessarily as a coach, putting right. it rather than having a go, that's turning right. it into a question. This behavior that you've demonstrated, do you think, how do, how do you see that fitting with these behaviors, these three core values, for example, yep. that we defined and are central to us as a team that you came up with earlier in the yeah. season. Could I give you an even better question? Yes. How are we going to live that those values better in our training session on Wednesday night? Future focused. I love it. Because with girls, you know, again, they know. They know they didn't step up to that value. Yeah. Let's say it was second effort. You know, after you make a mistake, what's yeah. that second effort to go and get you get the ball? So don't focus on the mistake. Focus on in the, in this scenario again, if it was yeah. to happen, what would you do differently in effect? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And on Wednesday night... What, what are we all going to live by? We're going to live by second effort. You, you said that we would as a behaviour, yep. which then goes with the value of, say, like something like um, dedication yep. would go nicely with that value. Well, let's live dedication. And then as a coach, all you've got to say something along the words of, what was our second value? Dedication. Show it, live it, breathe it. One of my favourite things when I ask a question and someone gives me that future-paced answer is I just say, let's see it, let's mm-hmm. see it, and not see it for me. So try and avoid as coaches as well. Show yeah. me, show me that it's not about you. It's not about, no. it's not about you're, you. You're a facilitator. You're yeah, that's, exactly yeah, a great that's, coach. Is yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, love it, Emma. You, I mean, exactly that that aspect of future focus and that questioning ability has been something from spending time with you and seeing you put that into practice. 
has been something I've been very mindful of, but still not quite executing as well as I need to. So this, for me, this episode has been a tremendous uh, reminder and coaching for me to um, to get better at that, uh, both in my corporate work and as a junior sports coach. So thank you very much. No, you're welcome. And just one more quick thought on that, you know, talking about a blueprint on, on the people. Remember, the blueprint in many ways is just the starting point. You know, when we say, right, this is a visual learner, it's maybe an aggressive baseline style personality and this and this and this. Remember, that's not a box. It's just a blueprint and a starting point to have a conversation of knowing when to push what button. But can I I just say on, on the other thing that's really hitting me about this episode is we reserve the right to evolve as coaches and grow. Constantly. Constantly. And... Well, as you so we can, can hear, sense we're, that in we're Luke. figuring it out as we go along. And and yes, Luke's, right. you know, you can see he's he's come a long way. You can hear it in his voice. He's got strong a strong coaching philosophy, and he really lives his values. Like we can hear that, and obviously I've met him, and I can see that in the way that he coaches. So thank you, Luke, for reminding us how important that is, and the fact that you you, you know you, you can hear that he wants to continue to get better as yes. well. And so he's been a terrific mentor for me and uh, encouraging my, my coaching involvement and certainly those of my girls. And so forever indebted uh, to Luke to um, help me in that because that's my passion, you know. So, again, the opportunity has been you know, superb for me and the work that he does in that club for not only myself but he's a coaching coordinator. So he is a coach of coaches. Um, and so, like we just did, these conversations that I get to have with Luke – um, is tremendous not only for him, for me, and everyone else that he he, he mentors, and uh, he's an absolute stalwart of the club. So well done, Luke, um, and well done to the Devon Meadows Junior Football Club for the the work that you've done and the focus on girls' sport and, and women's sport, um, and that's uh, that's been awesome. And for Emma coming down, that was tremendous as well. Can't thank you enough for that. Pleasure. So. I hope to come back and uh, continue to impact coaching at all levels. Yeah. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Emma. Emma Doyle is an international high-performance coach and motivational speaker, helping people to unlock their inner coach. Her mission is to unleash female potential through her Girl Power Camps and the Confidence Matrix program. She can be contacted on email via emma at emmadoyle.com.au or visit her website or Facebook page. And I'm the business owner of 5 Degrees, where as a quality sales and customer service coach, I help organisations and their staff deliver better customer experiences through having more effective conversations with their customers. Visit our website, 5degrees, that's F-I-V-E, 5degrees.com.au, and I'd love your connection on LinkedIn. Search Simon Blair Contact Centre Coach, and you can email me at simon.blair at 5degrees.com.au. Don't forget to find us on Facebook, just search The Coaching Podcast, where you can like our page, as well as join our group, which includes coaching practitioners from around the globe. Thank you for listening.